nothing will be easy, but along the journey, you'll learn a lot more than you think. And don't worry, mistakes are meant to be made. We're human. And the most important is how can you learn from it? Welcome to Brave. Learn from Southeast Asia's best tech leaders. Build the future, learn from our past, and stay human in between. No BS on success. I'm Jeremy Au, venture capitalist, serial founder, Harvard MBA, science fiction nerd, and dad of two daughters. Every week, we debate startup news, interview changemakers, answer listener questions, and share personal insights. Join a movement of over 20,000 members and get transcripts, resources, and community at www.bravesea.com. Poland is a private B2B liquidation marketplace. The startup connects sellers carrying excess inventory with bulk buyers across the world. The platform incorporates pricing algorithms, dashboard analytics, and sustainability metrics to find great liquidation outcomes. Hundreds of tons of usable products that would have been incinerated or gone to landfill is now used by happy consumers instead. Manufacturers get more revenue, buyers get cheaper inventory, and the world benefits. Learn more at www.poland.tech. Hey, Virek. Good to see you. Hey, good morning. Jeremy, how are you? Well, I'm excited to share your story because you are the first Cambodian entrepreneur ever on the show. Wow. Uh, I think Cambodia is an important story. We had a wonderful time at the conference, you know, talking and speaking as panelists. Uh, and I just thought that you had such a cool story. I just wanted to hear more from you personally, even, right? Yeah. Thank you for having me today and um, look yeah. forward to um, contributing. So, Varek, could you share a little bit more about yourself and who you are real quick? Yeah, sure. So I'm a pharmacist by trade. I graduated from the U.S. with a doctorate degree in pharmacy. I worked for the largest chain pharmacy in the U.S. for many years, over 10 years. And I've been back to Cambodia now to my home country for over 10 years. And that's sort of when things are looking to, you know, I wasn't sure where I wanted to be, but I know that retail pharmacies is something that I really love to do. Uh, so yeah, we started retail pharmacy here. And the biggest pain point of starting a retail pharmacy here was, unlike in the US when you buy from one suppliers and they have everything that you need from A to C, here you have to buy from hundreds of suppliers and they don't have everything that you need for your pharmacy. So I think that was the largest, the biggest pain point. But not only that, but if you look at the Southeast Asia in general, you know, patients would go to the pharmacist first when they get sick. And as you know, Southeast Asia, there's a lot of counterfeits. There's a lot of substandard medication. So if you really want to make sure that the pharmacists are taking good care of the patients. We got to make sure they buy from legal channels. And that's exactly what we started in Cambodia about three years ago. So I have so many questions, right? I think the first one that comes out, of course, is that there are three interesting decisions you made. I think the first, of course, that you made was that you made a decision to go back to Cambodia, even though you studied and worked in the US, right? And, you know, obviously, there are many folks that I know are the diaspora that's out there, but you made a decision to come back and build and you know continue that pharmacy practice. So could you share a little bit more about what that decision was? Yeah, I, I think by far that was the hardest decision I ever made. It was a decision definitely, you know, you get rid of everything from that you have built for 20 years. There are friends, close families over there, house, a really great job. But you know, I think I wanted to be closer to the family and second. I see that the healthcare industry here, it's still fully far behind from surrounding countries. So I wanted to make some, a little bit different and also be closer to the aging parents that 
I left 20 years ago also. I think that was the decision to, to come back or the reasons and, why. Yeah. What was that transition like for you? Because I think your story is not uncommon. I think there's so many folks who are part of the diaspora across Southeast Asia. Even myself coming back to Southeast Asia was there's a reverse culture shock that happens even though I grew up here. So I'm just kind of curious what that experience was from your perspective. Yeah, it's definitely not, <laughs> not easy because, you know, you left 20 years and everything sort of changed and you weren't there anymore to sort of understand the, the culture difference, right? And you come back every now and then to visit, but moving back here, just dealing with people. I think the first transition that was the hardest was the first year was very difficult. Didn't really have much friends. And then mom and dad wanted to introduce other people. Mm. You know, obviously we didn't really click because different culture set. But I think once you start making your own friends that are returnees, I guess in a sense, that really helps. And that's sort of get the ball rolling for me. So the transition was very difficult at first. But once you started making the connection, making the friends that have very similarity in terms of what we believe in, I think that's a lot easier. Even till now, I think there's different cliques, different friendships that we have. But I think the transition was definitely difficult at first. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about this is that you not only decided to come back home, but eventually decided to build, become an entrepreneur as well. So what was that decision path from your perspective? You know, honestly, in pharmacy schools, they, they don't teach you business. They don't teach you entrepreneurship. But I think... I hope <laughs> not. I mean, you know, I'll be like, I, I need you to know the formula. So <laughs> Yeah, so we, we learned everything about science, how the human body works and how the drug works in the body. And that's what yeah. kind of drew me in. But, you know, I think one of the reasons why I wanted to become an entrepreneur is I feel that the healthcare system could be better. Uh, and I could do from my part, which is being a pharmacist, being in the pharmacy. And I know that us opening up retail stores, one or two or three, doesn't really make impact much for the patient. So for us to make a really big impact, I think we really need to help digitalize the pharmacy SME here, at least a new generation, so that they have more time in the front end serving the patients. That's what we want. So basically, as you probably heard, Southeast Asia, pharmacists in general, well, everything's done by him, especially in Cambodia. So we want to make sure that we digitalize them, procurement online, uh, using a POS system to help manage their inventory, their daily sales, so that it frees them themselves in the back end, right? So that they could spend more time in the front end serving the customers. And that's exactly what we're trying to do. Because as, as you go further out at the city, the pharmacists play a very critical role in healthcare. Mm. That's exactly what we wanted to do is to make sure that they're equipped with enough knowledge in the pharmacy industry and enough knowledge in the business to sustain themselves and at the end, helping the patients ultimately. Yeah. So what's interesting is that you kind of shared like you didn't teach you business in school and then now you take on that business language and role, right? What were some of the learnings that you had to do? Because I mean, there's so many learnings you must have had, right? One is is business, but two also, like you said, it's Cambodia in terms of outside the cities, right? So it's further away. And thirdly, of course, is nobody has really built that pharmacy business before in terms of the whole startup approach. So could you share a little bit more about what were some of the personal learnings that you had? Yeah, yeah I mean, gosh, I mean, we, we talk about learnings. I think there's so much learnings I've done in the last three years than I've ever done in the US, let's be honest. Yep. Learning in business, I think it's that's definitely something that you don't really get taught in pharmacy school and you learn on your own as you go. You fall a lot and you learn from it, but you try to learn as fast as you can. So I think tough to, there's a lot of learnings and opening up, trying to change the healthcare system 
in Cambodia versus in the US, what we have and what we have here is definitely also different. You have to really make little slight adjustments here and there to make sure it fits the local market here. So whatever we see in the US, whatever technology we had or we have in the US, it's definitely everything has to modify slightly or make changes so that it could fit. Some doesn't work, some works in the country. So I think that was another challenge that I've had to really learn what are the big pain points here in the country from the pharmacist's point of view and how can we create technologies that they will use it and not only use it, but you know keep using it for many, many years. So I think that was a big challenge also from business to technology and then getting people to adopt technology. How do we do that? How do we leverage the stakeholders here, whether it's the Ministry of Health, whether it's the government, other government sectors. So I think those are some of the things that I had to learn on the fly and I enjoy learning it. But definitely is something that you were in part in pharmacy school. And I think you started describing the problem a little bit, which is that pharmacists play a really important role in the healthcare system, especially outside the city and urban areas. Could you share a little bit more about what are the problems they face and what the role they play is? Yeah. So let's go through the journey, right? So if you are the patient, when you get sick, if you're middle income to low, mid to low income, uh, you don't have enough money to basically see the doctor, right? So if you go see the doctor, they charge you fees and on top of that, the medication is being charged a lot higher too. So what, what people usually do is they go to their local pharmacy, good neighbor pharmacies maybe, and then they start you know, saying that, hey, look, I have a symptom here. What, what can you give me, right? And then the pharmacist would then prescribe some medication, give it for three, four days. If they feel better, then they don't come back. If they, don't, if they feel worse, then obviously they'll go to the clinic. So I, I think this is where the pharmacist has to really play a very critical role in patient care. Because they have to basically sort of diagnose the patient properly. And as you know, in reality, the pharmacists play a little bit over their scope of work, which means sometimes they prescribe things that they shouldn't be prescribing. For example, antibiotics or steroid medications for the patient. So not only providing technology for the patient, but also providing technology for the pharmacist, also educating the pharmacist that you know, what are the things that they could do and they cannot do. I think the, the journey is a little bit different compared to the U.S., but that's what makes it more interesting. So I think definitely pharmacists play a critical role in patient care in Southeast Asia. I think what I was kind of thinking about is how does it differ from, say, doctors, right? I know that sounds like such an elementary question, I guess, but I feel like you know what you're implying is that there's a little bit of a difference in how, for example, in the US, a pharmacist and a doctor would traditionally mm-hmm. split their roles, right? So how would you say that it works from your perspective? Yeah, so obviously in the U.S., you know, the doctors and the pharmacists play a critical part in the health as a healthcare provider. So we work together with the doctors. Doctor asks questions about, hey, look, I have this diagnosis. The patient is allergic to this medication. What's the first line of regimen that I should treat the patient with, right? So then the pharmacist would say, okay, well, that goes out the window. So I think this is probably the best bet for the patient. Try this one. So I think that's what more or less our roles. And then with the doctor write prescription, then we would dispense it, provide patient counseling for the patients. I think that's more or less what we want the pharmacy and the healthcare providers to work together like that. So in Cambodia, that separation of dispensing and prescribing is not really clear, which means that pharmacists sometimes work a little bit above their scope of work, which means they often prescribe as well. And sometimes the patient expects this as well, that if you go to a pharmacy and they don't give you any medication and just have them take vitamin C, they may not come back to you. So the pharmacist sometimes it's sort of culturally fall into that. I have to prescribe something for the patient. 
And if I prescribe something very light and they feel like they don't feel better, then they won't come back to me. So then the pharmacist has to prescribe something more. So there's a lot of education involved in this case. You know, the pharmacist has to do their part. The patient has to know what are the things that the pharmacist can and cannot do. But you don't expect the patients here to mm. understand that part. And then you as a pharmacist has to make that critical judgment of should I do this? Should I do that in the best interest of the patient, right? So I think a little bit of explanation from the pharmacist in this case would go a long way. It would really help the patient understand that, look, these are the things that I can do for you today or tomorrow. If you don't feel better, we could refer you to the closest GP or the closest specialist in town and you speak to them. So we could go a little bit extra mile rather than just make that sell, uh, trying to make that sales on the first transaction. Then I think that you build more trust and relationship with the patient as well. And that's what we try to do also. So with PillTech, we have a PillTech Academy where we provide training to the pharmacists on the business side, on the technology side, product knowledge side as well. So I think these are some things that we try to put in our training as well. You know, you've done quite a lot of work in making that happen, right, with PillTech. How does PillTech go about making that happen in terms of supporting pharmacists through this problem and also helping the experience for the customers who, like you said, want that prescription, you know, who want that experience? So how are you going about doing that? Yeah, so just a little bit of background about PillTech. So PillTech, we're basically a B2B marketplace for pharmaceutical industry. So the pharmacists would go onto our platform and they could buy anything that they need uh, for their stores, for example. So, and that's exactly what we want to do. But the more we go into this, we notice that uh, PillTech cannot be just a B2B marketplace. It has to be more than that because then if there's any, because there's no unique value proposition in this case, right? So we thought that providing the academy, which is also a partnership with the Ministry of Health uh, to provide continued education hours to the pharmacists so that they could renew their license. I think that was really a good move for us to increase more awareness to the brand and also at the same time, really help the pharmacists understand what exactly do they need to do. So I think just give you a little bit of background on what we do at PillTech. How does PillTech help the pharmacists and the consumers from their perspective? Okay. So how we help the pharmacists is basically making it easier, accessible to purchase products on a platform at a very low cost as well. So that's in return what basically then helps the patient in the long run because then all the products they purchase on our platforms are legal, are registered. So then it really helped the patient in this case. Imagine if you, as a pharmacist, you go buy to any distributor suppliers and then they ended up buying illegal or counterfeit products. So that would harm the patient also. So that's one problem that we're solving. The second part is pharmacists, everything is done by hand. They would memorize every product. They would memorize everything. And you have a whole warehouse right behind your back. You know, they don't know what the expiration dates are. They don't know what's fast moving. They don't know whether the product's running out of stock or not. So these are some of the issues when you're not leveraging technology. So uh, a big part of it is we create our own in-house POS system that's very user-friendly. We pay really attention, a big attention to the pain point that they have. So then we try to solve their problem also by addressing, you know what, now that you're using our system, it will help you manage your inventory better. It will help you manage the expiry dates better. It would help you understand what your business is doing or how is it mm. doing for this past few months. So I think mm. with those two things, it really helped digitalize the pharmacy SMEs here in Cambodia. And ultimately, when you start doing more, when you start to become more digitalized, you actually have less work in the back end and then you have more busy work in the front end with the patient, which is exactly what you want. And that yeah. provide better care for the patients. Yeah. 
from your perspective, what have been some surprising learnings? Because at some level, it feels straightforward, which is like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, they, they want to do this. You got to help provide less counterfeit, more genuine, more support. So that feels straightforward, but I'm sure it was not straightforward in the actual practice execution. Right, right. So I'm just kind of curious what were some of the learnings you had along the way. Yeah, I think some learning along the way is that people are really very price sensitive, the pharmacists. So we need to understand that, okay, who's our like target audience is when we first started, our target audience is like younger pharmacists that sort of understand technology. And then from there, we have to break it down. Okay, so that's good. So maybe younger pharmacists understand technology, plus they are a business builder. They want to build their business from ground up. So we break it down even deeper because at the end of the day, if you don't have a unique value proposition other than just the marketplace, then it's like they could go to your competitor versus you today because the pricing is better. But if you have other stickiness to it, then they'll end up coming back to you more, leveraging your technology, talking to you more. That's what we want to build. But yeah, along the way, I wish it was that straightforward, but along the way we found out little things that we think that it's going to make ourselves a little bit more stand out compared to the competitors. Yeah. I think what's interesting is that you've made a certain set of decisions about building it. Could you share about some of the decisions that you think are different because you're building Cambodia or that are different because it's the reality of the ground versus, for example, I don't know, the advice that you read on Substack or you know, out mm-hmm. there? Yeah. So when we first started, we thought that it's going to be just an online marketplace. And then in reality, yeah, yeah, in reality, uh, you got 100% of the pie. And online marketplaces, people are ordering this amount through the online platform. And then you have a larger amount that's not ordering on the platform. So then we have to shift our business a little bit to doing more traditional also. Look, you know what? You're okay. If you want to order, you could order through us manually through whether it's Telegram or WhatsApp or Messenger. Or you could go back to our online platform. So we try to educate people to go along that way. But it's not 100% the technology driven, uh, which we want it to be, but at least not this time. Wow, that sounds like a painful learning to have along the way because you're like building a straightforward digital business and now you got to do online and offline. Yeah. And then on top of that, the POS system, right? So we thought that it's a no-brainer. You don't have a system in place. Your medication's expiring like crazy. You don't know. Uh, you don't know when your good products are running out of stock or you don't want Jeremy to come into the store and say, hey, I mm. want a vitamin C. I'm like, oh, shoot, you know what? We're out of stock because it, these are fast moving, right? So we thought that uh, the POS system would be, it's going to go like hotcakes because it offers so much values. And at the end, it's like, really, you don't need it. I could just use paper pen. What they don't understand is that because the pharmacists, again, we never been taught about business. We only been taught how to be a pharmacist. So when they become their business owner, it takes some time to learn. And one of the things that we didn't know was it's going to be that difficult to get them to use our PR system. And then we started getting a lot of feedback from them. And at the end of the day, they said that, look, I want a system that's going to make me less work, not more work. Because POS is, as you know, they have to do inventory count. They have to make sure their products is not, because you know you have to put in the effort, right? But at the end of the day is how can you shortcut that journey for them? For example, our PO system now, we develop an app where they could just use your phone, scan the product using their camera, and that's how you update stock. So I think mm. there's a traditional ways of doing the POS system, but in order to leverage, to sort of change that mindset of the local users here, you have to make really new features that makes it easier for them to use. Because sometimes mm. you have three, four people in your team, right? You only have one computer, for example, and when you have to do stock count, then everybody has to need a computer and a scanner. So that 
incur more costs. So then if it's on a, right. a smartphone, everybody has a smartphone nowadays in Cambodia. So then they could just right. download the app and then and do the, the inventory account. So now we're starting to say, okay, you know, we cannot just go and build a traditional system that everyone has. We have to build a little bit more than just a POS system. So we have to think about what are the pain points? What's the user experience like? And how can we get there quicker? I think that's the challenge that we've been facing. But I think our team's doing quite good in terms of addressing those problems. Yeah. I think what's interesting is that you've made all these decisions and I think they are obviously quite familiar in the sense that there are many countries around the world in emerging markets where there's a lot of customer education, you have to go mobile first in order to make that happen from their perspective. How do you handle customer education from your perspective? Customer education as in pharmacy education, right? Yeah, because you know, I think what you describe is very much like you're coaching, you're helping them, you know, what's the word? Evolve yeah. their way of work, right? And that's not easy, right? Because, you know, like you said, they hadn't done it before. You felt like it was a no-brainer, but it wasn't a no-brainer. So you had to adapt and evolve. Yeah, that, that's a very good question. So we said that, look, we have to offer a value proposition other than just the marketplace, other than just a POS system, because anyone with the money would just come in and then do the same thing. Or anyone has the know-how from other countries could come in and with a little bit of money raise, they could do the same thing, right? So I think another aspect of it is how can we provide that uniqueness to the pharmacy owners so that they could come back to us. So I think one of the strategy that we did was we created Piltic Academy which provide training solely, mainly focusing on technology and mainly focusing on business education. Uh, so once a month, we have in-person, online, we have different speakers that deals with finance, for example, or inventory management or in leverage, or is a pharmacist and working in an industry where they use technology to help them better. So I think having lessons like these really helps these younger pharmacists, pharmacy SMEs that now they're owners and they don't really know what they do. For example, I, I went for a visit, a tour of this, the pharmacist in the provinces. You know, the, the guy graduated, he took over his dad's pharmacy and he's complaining. He's like, I cannot beat mom and pop that's been here for 30 years. I just started four or five years ago. And I don't know what my unique value proposition, I don't know how to beat the pharmacy next door. Um, and then that's when we start mm-hmm. to realize that, you know what, they need um, better education in the business side because that's something that we've never been taught. So if, imagine mm-hmm. if we, Piltech, could come in and say, look, Jeremy Pharmacy, uh, for you to come and open up a new pharmacy next to someone that's been there for 30 years, really great pricing, every product's available, uh, but they don't have anything in system. They're going to be retiring, who knows, in five, 10 years. What are the unique value proposition? What do you need to do in order to be better and so that you could compete, right? So then some of the things that we do in the academy side is really dig dive into it and say, Okay, so what some of the things that they can do and they cannot do. So really drive their unique value proposition. You, you can't go and compete against a mom and pop pharmacy that's been there for 30 years. They serve hundreds of customers every day really quickly. So for you, you don't have those many customers, but can you, for example, take really good care of like 10 patients or 30 patients a day or something like that, and then really follow up with them leveraging our technology. So I think um, these are some of the things that we train and some uh, pharmacists are doing that and they're trying to figure out their unique value proposition. And then they ended up rising above just the price war, right? They rose above just like now people come to them because the other, the mom and pop don't have time to consult where me, I'm a new pharmacist. I'm educated on the product. I have more product knowledge and I have more time to consult with you. And I have more time to build a relationship with you, Jeremy, as a patient. And then Jeremy would not go back to the mom and pop. They would come back to me because I spend the time and effort even though my pricing may be a little bit higher, maybe 50 cents or a dollar more, then 
the value that I provide for you, you see that value and you come back to me. So I think those are some of the things that we train the new pharmacy generation to understand. Right. It's interesting because you're building in Cambodia, right? And I think Cambodia, frankly, from a regional perspective, isn't necessarily known for like strong technology talent and experience. So how have you been going about, say, hiring or looking for people? Do you feel like it's not a problem or do you have to do something different from your perspective? Because you work in both in the U.S. and in Cambodia now. So I'm just kind of curious about, is there like anything you notice? A lot of people when they came back or a lot of foreign investors when they come in, obviously to a developing country, HR right. is definitely one of the hardest things. So yeah. you, could, you could go about and complaining all about it <laughs> forever, how long you want. But I think try to do it differently. But maybe like, because these are very receptive people. They're young, they learn quickly. They just haven't had the experience or haven't seen the world from technology side for us, for example. So I think be a bit more understanding, provide more coaching, provide more time and efforts with your team. I think definitely that makes a big difference. We do have problems with, you know, having the right uh, this and the right that. But I think there's no such thing as the right person uh, for this startup industry in general, because this is something new that people are not exposed to. So left alone the industry itself. And second is how do you build a team that, that's sort of ready for this kind of industry? Mm. So I think for us, we usually focus more on the younger generations because mm. I think they learn a lot faster. They're more technology savvy. They're, if you hire someone that say, maybe older, more senior, and has a lot of experience, say from a corporate uh, world, they may not you know, do well in a startup scene anyways, um, although they have a lot of experience, but not that we don't value them. Long story short, you, you got to put in a lot of efforts and a lot of training, a lot of times to really push this baby to make it grow up a, a lot faster than normal, right? So I think our team, we, you know, every, every week, every month, we do have training sessions on how to better themselves. So I think that's something that we see. And some people, they say that, oh, well, when you train them, they will just go to another company and get a higher salary. But I think that's, regardless, they'll do that. Uh, if you don't train them, then what's, what's going to happen is you, you're stuck with people that don't really understand what, what you, you want to do. So I, for our side, we provide training. And if they move on to another company, at least we train one person to be better. But if they stay with us, then obviously we have this person who's going to be here for long term and they know exactly what we want to do. So I think that's the upside and the downside also. Yeah. Could you share about a time that you personally have been brave? You know, not a lot of people know this, but I think back in the days when before my dad, so about 15 or maybe 13 years ago, my dad had a major stroke in Cambodia. Oh. And that was uh, really the turning point for me. For me, the journey would have been work as a pharmacist. At the time, I was working for a mom and pup store. He has one store. I opened up a second store with him. And eventually when he retires, I take over everything, right? Uh, so that was a journey that I had in mind. I had a house, dogs, cars, mm -hmm. whatever. And then, you know, when that happened, that really made that chain, made the chain that look, you know, I was raised for 13 years and then I moved out of the country, moved away from my parents for 20 years. And I really want to be closest to them. So I think to answer your question was, I think that was a very difficult decision that I had to make, but do I regret making that decision? I don't think so because I've learned so much more in the last 10 years than I've ever learned. Um, and also I love being closer to my parents because, you know, they're aging and I'm the only one in healthcare that really can help them, you know, medication, whatever, doctor's visits and so on. So I think that was by far the hardest decision, but I think it's the best decision for me in general. One is closer to the parents. Second is doing something that I really love. 
uh, in healthcare and trying to make some changes. So I think those are mm. probably the hardest to, the, or brave decision that I've made. Mm. I think a lot of folks really struggle with that, which is like parents getting old. It's a feature of time, I guess. We'll get old eventually as well one day. And it, it's a hard trade-off because it's like you have this life, this career that you built. And it, like you said, there's, there was an element of sacrifice there. How did you go about making that decision? Did you talk to people? How did you go about centering yourself to... Because yeah. that's not an easy decision to make. Yeah, I, I think I spoke to my boss back then. I said, hey, look, this is what I want to do. I know we have our own ways. Like He doesn't want to sell his pharmacy to just any corporate uh, change store. He knows that he wants to give it out to someone that's really passionate about pharmacy, really passionate patient care. Uh, so I think that was the move that we were we're about to take. But yeah, definitely wasn't an easy one. I uh, spoke to a lot of people, but I think I have one intention, which kind of outweighs everything, was I want to be closer to my parents. And that was the main driving force. And I know mm. parents are aging and I am in the healthcare industry. If I go talk to a doctor uh, at the hospital, I understand it more than my other siblings. So I right. think that was the key decision maker for me. And I love it. I mean, I, I go see them now, when I first moved back, I lived with them, but now yeah, I live with my wife, but I still go visit them three, four times a week. I call them, obviously you call them America too, but I get to see them better and just to see them laugh, just to see them smile, that makes a big difference for me because I guess I'm more a family oriented kind of guy. So I think that's, that makes it easier for me to make that decision. It's definitely more easy in a sense that I could be closer, but not easy from a other standpoint. You have friends growing up over there in the US, you have a really great job or business that's going to be yours one day. Uh, so yeah, I definitely, I, I think there's no right or wrong answer. It's just what you right. want. And I think what I want was, I want to be closer to my mom and dad. That was, that was it. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, it's wholesome is real. I think I, I felt the same when I moved back to Singapore. I wanted to be close to the parents. You said something, right? It's about being family oriented. How else does it show up in your life? I'm so curious because, you know, it shows... You're, you're so good at asking questions. Being family oriented is definitely something that I am. And then when I started the startup, this new entrepreneurship, it put me so far from my family because I ended up spending so much time and effort at the office, working every day, sometimes weekends too, for the first two, three years. So my wife, she's not very happy at the moment for the past two, three years. But you know, I try, I try to be yeah. better, trying to keep that work-life balance. It's hard when you have some crazy ideas that you really want to try and that idea is coming through. You're just sitting down for like an hour, just trying to jot away those brainstorming ideas. Yeah, I think for me, I, I enjoy uh, what I do. I love what I do, but I'm trying to find that balance also with the family, everything else. Like, because I have to remind myself that this is the main reason why I move back. So if I move back just to do this and ignore the family again, then I can stay in the US, right? So I think having that balance is definitely very important for me. Right. Could you share a little bit more about as you kind of like built out this business and what's kind of like your hopes for this in 10 years time? Yeah. So for me personally, I think providing access to affordable medications is definitely one or obviously no fake medication or substandard medication. And that's my main goal. And then hopefully we could change the pharmacy industry, the way it's practiced in Cambodia forever. So in the next 10 years, everyone will start using technology, leveraging our system, whoever systems in the market, because we need to evolve. If you want patient care to be better, 
uh, the caretaker of the healthcare provider in this case needs to also evolve. And the mom and pops uh, will eventually uh, retire. You as a newcomers, you need to also evolve by patient care and leverage technology also. So that's my hope. And for me, vision that hopefully 10 years from now, I'm not only in Cambodia, but I'm also in Laos, Myanmar, where the countries are very similar in terms of pain point, mm. in terms of the pharmacy industry. So there's really great opportunities. I think just make sure that we really hit the pain point first, understands the customers, the user's journey, and how can we offer solutions for that. And once we sort of take over the market here, then we could slowly expand to other countries. But I think for now, we're trying to, we're trying to stay afloat here in the country and trying to find our unique value proposition, trying to build more stickiness. And at the end, make sure that our company is sustainable in the long run. That's mainly most of it. It's a big dream and I'm sure you'll get there. Uh, on that note, I'd love to kind of like summarize the three big themes I got from this. The first, of course, is thank you so much about sharing. I think the real reasons behind why you chose to return to Cambodia from your good career, your good everything lifestyle that you had there. And I thought it was really interesting to hear about your decision-making about what you had to learn. I think coming back home, both in terms of the country, the culture, but also I think, like you said, also starting that founder journey as well about building business and having that skill set was, I think, a really interesting chronology that really resonates with me. The second, of course, is I think there are some technical learnings around what it takes to build a pharmacy and what are the companies that are trying to build. But more importantly, I think what the problem you're trying to solve and some of the key learnings along the way about how to educate the customer, some of the things that you thought were going to be show wins, but turned out not to be and what you had to do differently thought those were really interesting and really relevant for so many founders out there. And lastly, thanks for sharing about how much you're a family-oriented guy. That was a very real moment. I'm also very family-oriented. So it was nice to hear how it colored your decision to come back home, but also I think how it drives your own day-to-day lifestyle. Also, I think it feels like it really shows why you're also building out this pharmacy, right? Because you care about the healthcare for other families as well. So I thought that was a really uh, fascinating journey and I'm glad I got to hear it. Yeah, well summed up, I think. For me, if any message that I could convey to the listeners in this case would be, you know, do something that you really love, not necessarily what people tell you to do. I think once you do something you really love, then everything will start falling into places. Nothing will be easy, but along the journey, you'll learn a lot more than you think. And don't worry, mistakes are meant to be made. We're human. And the most important is how can you learn from it? And at the end of the day, when you're in healthcare, how many people can you save? And for me, how many people, how many pharmacists can I turn back, turn around so that they could help then save more people in the long run? So I think that's why we're in healthcare. Another thing too is the work-life balance is definitely a must. Work will always be there the next day, but family is definitely very important for me. So trying to find that balance, trying to to say it's okay, we could wait till tomorrow. It's okay too, because work's going to always be family, you really need to take good care. <laughs> Work is always going to be there. I like that. <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you, Jeremy, for having me on your show. Thank you for listening to Brave. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the podcast with your friends and colleagues. We would also appreciate you leaving a rating or review. Head over to www.bravesea.com for member content, resources, and community. Stay well and stay brave.